0: Welcome to the Leadership and Yoga Podcast, hosted by me, Shawna Kruger. And on this podcast, I'll be bringing you interviews with exceptional leaders in the yoga world alongside trainings and tips so you can experience true breakthroughs and help others do the same. Leadership and Yoga, welcome back to another episode. And I am stoked to have a special guest here with me physically for the first time on this podcast, um, Katie Williams. Hello. And, you know, thank you for being here, Katie. You are here for a number of reasons, obviously, because you are extremely close friend of mine and also the first friend that I felt would never judge my yoga aspirations. And beyond that, um, I could even call them obsessions, I guess. But you were also fully supportive of them on a deep level. And so just by way of background, I think it's kind of entertaining how Katie and I actually met so a couple of years ago i had to pack up everything and move to an entirely new city where i knew no one and at the time i was practicing yoga but i wasn't really someone who would just hang around the studio for fun but i was like i need to make friends i need to meet people and so i was like you know what i'm gonna go to a studio and so i went to a studio and i ended up taking a class from katie and after that class we were just kind of chatting and i told her that i moved into the city and she was like oh where you know what apartment building i told her the apartment and she goes you didn't just move into unit 214 did you and i was like (laughs) shocked you know because that's exactly where we had moved into and so i had moved into literally the apartment that her and her fiance had just moved out of and so right off the bat it was this kind of huge you know synchronicity and so essentially no sooner than she had packed up and moved out uh, and walked out that door she walked straight back in (laughs) into my apartment as someone who would ultimately become one of my best friends and someone that today we uh, host international retreats together so that's a little bit of the backstory. I think I covered the the general story there. Yes,
1: all of the synchronicities.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, essentially what I'm trying to say with this long-winded introduction is like, not only did I find out that, Katie, you are the reason why the washer in my apartment didn't work quite right, <laughs> didn't work quite right, um, you are also one of the most kind-hearted, um, just genuine and accepting people that I have ever met, and The whole uh, context of this podcast is that I was actually just talking to my husband the other day about this, and we were marveling over the fact that we have literally never met someone like you because we've never heard you say a bad word about anyone. And it's not like even just the fact that you're not judging, it's actually your ability to see the good in everyone that is fantastic, and it's super powerful because. One, it makes me feel super solid in our friendship, but even more than that, I think it's something that we can all learn from. You know, it really builds the basis for a super uh, effective leadership style. So with that said, tell us, who are you? Who is or What is your story? Or It's a little bit much, but what are you up to?
1: Well, I am your friend, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad to be your friend. So yeah, I really feel like the way we met was fate and synchronicity is like the perfect word. I feel like we both met each other at a really important transformative time in our lives. So I really appreciate your friendship and I learned so much from you too. Um, So yes, not only my, your friend and your retreat (laughs) co-host, Um, I am the Senior Editorial Manager for Allo Moves, which is a yoga and fitness app by Aloe Yoga, um, so basically I'm a writer and editor uh, that deals with yoga and fitness, It's has always been a passion of mine since I was a kid to, um, like, To be a fancy editor, I think, was my 13-going-on-30 dream. But then as I found yoga as a kid, I realized, what if I marry those two things? So I'm just really fortunate to be able to be working in the very thing that I've always wanted to do. Um, And at some point along the way, I knew that in order to write about yoga and fitness, the things that I love, I have to be credentialed in it, which is what led me to do my teacher training back in 2015. So um, yeah, I have graduated the training in 2015, I've been teaching most of the years since then. I took a little bit of a break when I moved from Florida to Washington, and now I teach in my local studio. I'm leading lots of retreats this year, I'm so excited about our retreat in Costa Rica. And I'm yeah, really focusing a lot of my energy lately on on these retreats and just thinking about what I want to provide my community as a yoga teacher. That's been on my mind a lot lately, especially after
0: a new year. Absolutely. Yeah, so much opportunity for leadership in so many different areas of your life. And I love what you say about marrying the two. And I think it's really special that... Not only do you continue to actually teach, you know, you have your professional life that is entirely tied into yoga as well. So I will just put a little plug here. If you've never taken uh, yoga nidra with Katie, it is the best thing in the world. It's kind of, I think it showcases your both of your abilities. You know, your ability with words, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later, but also your uh, deep knowledge of the practice of yoga. So. In thinking about this whole topic of non-judgment my first question that I have for you is if this is a quality that you feel like you recognize in yourself and the reason I ask that is because sometimes we perceive ourselves differently you know and we might not notice these things that others notice about us and then at other times it's like oh this is a specific quality I was intentionally cultivating so I guess what my question is, is Is it intentional? <laughs> or is it something that's just kind of happened maybe the way that you are?
1: I think at some point it must be just, I mean, my parents, they're wonderful people. Um, I, I think I learned a lot from them just in terms of uh, relating to other people, connecting with them, hearing their stories, listening, being a good listener. And having that be a foundation for so many connections that you make, um, but I actually didn't really think about the non-judgment piece until you brought it up to me, because, um, and this is something I really appreciate about our friendship, but <laughs> we're constantly giving each other really amazing feedback and mm-hmm. like sharing insights and. Um, when you told me that that is a quality that you admired in me, I hadn't really thought about it before. I was like, wow, I, I guess like, that's great. I feel like you bringing it up to me makes me want to embody that even more.
0: Mm, amplify so, it. yeah,
1: it's sort of a cycle. Um, I, I think, just in general, I don't, maybe part of it came from my parents, but I have just always gone through life. Uh, being curious about people's stories and just everyone is so unique and I as as a writer you're primarily focused on stories and storytelling mm-hmm. and that's the most fascinating thing about meeting people to me. I know a lot of people especially after COVID kind of introverted yeah. but I think I've always been just someone who wants to connect and get into those deeper conversations and listening you gain so much um, knowledge and so much empathy for people and I think it's a lot easier to uh, feel non-judgment towards other people when you have the context of their story absolutely yeah so it's very easy to label when you see someone or you know on first glance or when you have just a little piece of information but I think that there's always something else, you can always dive deeper, and if you take the time to, to get to know someone, you might find those commonalities, and that stops you a bit, because it's a lot harder to judge someone when you Absolutely. admire them, or when you feel like you know them, or you're connected to them. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Do you feel like beyond, you know, growing up and the exposure that you might have had from your parents, obviously all of us are super shaped by our home lives. Was there anything after that, you know, maybe like a certain experience or experience even working with someone or connection with someone in particular that you feel like amplified this quality and this way of being in yourself?
1: I think a lot about. The way that I want to be treated. And so I, I'm someone who's always done a lot of self reflection. I think mm-hmm. you're very similar in that way. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, big on self reflection. And sometimes when I notice myself doing something, I wonder um, am I doing this? I mean, if I notice myself doing, or someone doing something to me, rather. I think, am I doing this to someone else? And so in just reflecting on my interactions with other people, I naturally think about, am I doing this to other, other people myself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's easy to shift out of the non-judgment mind when you shift the focus back to yourself. And um, instead of stewing in, in like a particular incident where you feel like someone has wronged you or something didn't necessarily go your way, a proactive approach for me has just been to think about how can I make sure that I'm not doing the same thing or mm-hmm. how can I make sure that uh, I'm leading my life in a way that is better. Because <laughs> yep. um, I don't want to, you know, if this person is making me feel this particular way, I don't want to make someone else feel that particular way either. Um, so it's just a, a collective approach. Uh, Reflecting on on all of my experiences with other people, I think, and um, all of that just has just shaped the way that I behave today or my perspective. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't say it's one particular person, mm-hmm. but just a myriad of experiences. Yeah,
0: something that that totally sparked my memory was that one of my coaches once said that if you can spot it, you've got it. And so that's one thing that I always think about the moment that I feel a particular judgment or I'm seeing something in someone else. And that goes both ways. Like it's, it's in the beauty and then also in the more negative aspect of it is like what piece of this thing <laughs> that's bothering me is also present somewhere in myself? Like where, and that immediately sparks that self-reflection that you're talking about. And, and raises my awareness of, okay, you know, I'm noticing this as a source of pain, so how can I be sure that I'm also not the same exact source of pain for someone else? And so exactly. I think that's a good way of kind of reframing because obviously um, our minds compartmentalize and judge judgment, there's many forms of the word. Obviously, we're talking about judgment as a conscious choice, but judgment in terms of this immediate kind of jerk response that we have is an entirely entirely different thing that's part of our processing and so how can we acknowledge that processing and then you know choose what to do with it as a result but i guess i would ask you like is it ever hard for you <laughs> because you know i feel like gossip and and talking about people in a negative light is it's a super common pastime i mean it's everywhere it's on the internet it's in our group chats, it's in our memes, Like it's alive and it's booming. Mm-hmm. So is it ever hard?
1: Yeah, and I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm perfect and I don't think any of us are, but like anything, if you are engaging in self-reflection and you have the tools to help work through it, it's, it's just a, it's a lifetime of work, I think, <laughs> to shift out of that mindset because it's just so prevalent. In society and to some extent, like judgment is good, like, judgment is a natural thing that yep. keeps us alive. Yeah, we're yep. judging this old yogurt in the fridge, <laughs> <laughs> we're like making sure if we're traveling in a new city and we're not familiar with it, we're a little bit more hyper aware, we might shift more into that mm-hmm. judgmental state as a survival instinct. So, some amount of judgment is good, but it's just a matter of reflecting when you notice yourself thinking a certain way or thinking a certain thing is this helpful for me is it helpful for them is it helpful for us mm-hmm. is it kind is it moving us forward in a productive way it's so mm-hmm. easy to get bogged down in the things that happen to us and to stew and in, in all of those feelings of regret or jealousy or you know Did they they said this and it hurt me and you know mm-hmm. it's not wrong to feel those feelings but it's just a matter of what you do with them. Mm-hmm. Because if you carry them on in a sense of gossip, you're almost prolonging those feelings that you just mm-hmm. would rather not have. So it's really hard to make the decision to drop those, you know, drop that conversation and drop those feelings. But sometimes it's, it's for the better. And I know that it's good to have someone in your life who you. You know you feel like you can vent to or yes have that confidant and for various areas of your life that's very important too um but just ask yourself am i having this conversation because i'm trying to just let off steam and and they have an understanding of where i'm coming from they're not going to carry this conversation on to someone else just make sure it's a safe situation um and i I think it must have been a friend I've made along the way that taught me this. I don't remember where I heard it from, but one of my favorite phrases is positive gossip. And Mm -hmm. it's something that I try to employ a lot. And this is, again, going back to why I value our friendship. Positive gossip is just like gossip, but we're sharing good things. So if I took a class with our friend Kaylin, and I go to Shauna and I say, oh my gosh, Kaylin just taught the best class. Like, I loved her transitions. Oh, she's I just love her. We had a whole conversation about her. She didn't even know. Like, that feels good. We're uplifting our friend. Mm-hmm. We're having a positive moment between us. And I, I just love that. You're flipping it on its head because if you're someone who likes to connect with people you often do that through stories yeah
0: you often talk about people
1: exactly but the things that you say could be beneficial you could be spreading goodness
0: positive gossip movement (laughs)
1: yes positive gossip movement it's also a great way to diffuse a situation or to work through it so my fiance he's my confidant i go to him with a lot of things where i i'm just feeling a certain way (laughs) he's my safe space but I, now, because I don't want to end our conversations feeling like, oh, man, I, like, I just don't feel good. If I'm recounting a situation, I always try to end it with, well, maybe they were going through this at the time, or maybe I was just in, I was hungry, <laughs> or I was in a, a different <laughs> place. So I'm trying to just end the conversation with a little bit of empathy for the other person naturally kind of diffuses all of those feelings and I think it's just a really great thing to employ when you're dealing with tough feelings that come through interactions with other people
0: yeah I think that's a lot of good advice because that was one of the things I was most curious about is you know for people who do notice okay I do judge a lot and I catch myself gossiping I catch myself kind of putting other people down it's a common pastime it's a way of connecting for me and my friends or whatever the excuses or me and my coworkers, it bonds us together rather than, you know, me feeling like I'm on my own with whatever's going on. It's just what is the advice to kind of nip that in the bud? And I think that the idea of positive gossip is a good one because it does challenge you also then to look for more of the good, because it's not always easy to see those things. But is there anything else that you would add?
1: I would say that if you're in a conversation with someone and the conversation starts to take a turn, you know, we often have... It's very common to experience gossip situations. Um, (laughs) Or even (laughs) if it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, nefarious or mean. But if the conversation starts to take a turn, where you feel like mm, this isn't getting to a productive place i think that sometimes some of the best friendships challenge you in, yes. in positive ways and if you're having a conversation and someone is, is starting to veer off in a certain direction you would rather not go you can always redirect and say oh well maybe they responded that way because xyz or Clearly they were having a moment and like we don't need to stew on that anymore. And you know, it's, that's not to discount what your friend is saying because you're listening to them and their feelings are valid, but the other person's feelings are valid too in the situation and just reminding yourselves of the, the humanness of it all, that we're not perfect, we're having off days and there are stories that we cannot see. People mm-hmm. are living lives that we don't see. Um, I recently um, learned something about someone that I didn't know before, and it all of a sudden made me reflect on a lot of our conversations, some that I thought were a bit challenging. And it gave me a bit of context as to why they were behaving in that way or were in a certain mindset. And that for me was a really good way to. Uh, come to a calmer place in my mm-hmm. relationship with that person because I now have developed a little bit more empathy and understanding of of their situation. And the next time anything any friction happened, I just remind myself they're going through this, and I can walk away and and just know that it's not me. I don't need to feel offended. Uh, we can let this go and make it productive for both of us.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really beautiful thing when you notice and understand that when you're able to stop judging someone that you felt just immediately a massive rub with and you really felt like, okay, they deserve this judgment because it's just so obnoxious, like I just can't handle it. But when you're able to drop that and allow yourself to get a little bit closer to them, And you start to see, okay, this person actually has a role to play in my life. Maybe you won't ever be best friends with them, or maybe you will end up learning a ton from them. I know that was the case for me. Um, Particularly, I had a coach who was actually my pole vault coach, and it was my first experience with the sport. I was entirely new to it, and he was the type of leader who, if I was having a really off day and I was just making the same mistake over and over again because I wasn't focused he would say just go home for today. Just go home, like pack up your stuff, leave and that bothered me so much because I hated to leave on a bad note. I was super perfectionistic. I wanted to get it right and I just absolutely despised that and I I contemplated quitting actually. Um I just almost couldn't, you know. I I didn't understand like how could he be so rude and so heartless? And long story short, I didn't quit luckily. <laughs> I didn't quit I was able to start to see why he was so successful because he was a really successful coach he had been very successful in his own career and so when I was able to drop that judgment and start to learn from him everything changed for me and to this day what I learned from that experience is that I actually respond really really well to that intense (laughs) type leadership to that cutthroat type directness and I never would have known that and I never would have known you know the levels of my own success that were possible if I would have just quit because I you know I couldn't handle and and I didn't want to deal with this person that I felt was just so unjustly terrible to me in the beginning.
1: Yeah, that's a good example of a relationship that challenges you in a yes, good way. Exactly. And these moments That we have with people that, you know, when things don't necessarily go the way you want them to, ultimately they're building resilience. Mm -hmm. And if we use these tools of our self reflection, our empathy, we just, you know, when we encounter the same position or situation in the future, it feels like you're a little bit more equipped to deal with it. I mean, when you think about the way that you respond to things as, like, a high schooler compared Mm -hmm. to the way you respond to things as an adult.
0: Oh, boy. (laughs) For
1: for many, in in many cases, or one would hope, that you've now had so many experiences and have met so many people that that gives you a little bit more wisdom and understanding in these situations. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I said, it's a lifelong journey, so... Uh, it's it's good sometimes to be challenged or to have these situations they're tools for self reflection
0: yeah, and you mentioned empathy and i I genuinely am curious it's another topic it's parallel I think to what we're talking about right now because as you had mentioned earlier empathy increased empathy breeds you know less judgment in the ability to see the good in people. How do you increase empathy
1: Well, the way I've done it is like I said through stories and listening, just listening, because we often have a knee-jerk reaction to talk, especially when we're faced with something that we don't understand (laughs) or, or is counter to what we believe, and it's so important to stand up for your beliefs, of course, but listening is such a powerful tool in understanding and gaining knowledge and information And when it comes to people and listening to people, especially with connections that are right next to you, with people that you deal with on a daily basis, taking the time to listen and to think about what they're telling you and respond to what they're telling you without thinking about the next thing you're going to say. Just letting, letting people talk
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> um, can open up so many stories that you might not have heard otherwise. I think I got this best from my mom. See, my dad's the talker and my mom <laughs> is the listener. Um, and through both of their powers combined, <laughs> I have learned to be a really great... Um, listener, especially... Yeah, which when, you are, <laughs> for <thank> sure. <laughs> I attribute that to, to listening to my dad, the, you know, ramble on forever <laughs> kind of guy, but... Um, and, of course, I've picked up some of those tendencies, too, but... Um, I I just feel like a lot of my friendships start out with just me listening, and from there you when you feel like you know someone more and you understand them more the empathy just naturally occurs um putting yourself in other people's shoes that's a common phrase that we hear but that's another thing that i would say has been helpful for me Mm -hmm. when i'm in a tough situation i put myself in the other person's shoes like let's say i had a conversation with someone and i really don't like the things that they said, or the way that the situation occurred. I, if I feel myself getting caught in the spiral of, I'm the victim here, Mm -hmm. I put myself through what they're going through. I try to feel what they're feeling, or even close my eyes, imagine them in myself, in their place. And those visualization techniques, and I, I would call it mindfulness, Has been really helpful. And yeah, I think a lot of people could (laughs) probably practice that more.
0: Yeah, and you also have really highly developed your ability to visualize things and put yourself there. Because it's one thing to just say it like, oh yeah, put yourself in someone else's shoes. And we hear that all the time, and we do not do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We might even think about it for a half second, but that's entirely different than pausing and doing the work to actually visualize yourself and try to experience what they're experiencing. That's next level stuff. But yes, I would agree. I mean, uh, so the way to empathy is more, you know, is to listen better, you know, and we could keep going down the rabbit hole and say, how do you then listen better? But I like what you mentioned. It's actually listen to what the other person's saying instead of formulating a response Um, I totally need to work on that my brain automatically starts to compute what would be the best response and then At times you don't even catch the essence of what's being said, and then you say something that's irrelevant. So um, I really I really like that insight and I would say for sure that's one of the first things I noticed you know and early on in our friendship is just how well you were listening because that's one of the things that I I despise nowadays like distracted listening and half listening because why would I talk (laughs) just to hear myself talk you know we all want to be heard when it's time to be heard so that's really wonderful
1: it's also a really great way to to me it's almost like a litmus test in all of my friendships (laughs) like if I can have a conversation with you and walk away feeling like it was an equal exchange like you heard me I heard you then you know that that is a connection that's worth developing. And I would say for anyone who's trying to develop that empathy muscle, uh, just the practice of visualization of putting yourself in someone's shoes, like closing your eyes, treating it like a meditation, thinking about what they're feeling, what they're going through, imagining their life, putting yourself in their situation, that is a wonderful tool. And also, loving kindness meditation is one of my absolute favorite styles of meditation. And if you've never tried it before, I recommend um, looking one up online. But essentially, in this practice, you are sending love to yourself, to someone that you love, to strangers that you don't know, and always to someone that you have a tough relationship with. And I think repeated practice of that is a really great way to use visualization to overcome those feelings that might be holding you back
0: yeah and you can literally feel your internal state shift as you go through each of those you know for some of us I mean it totally depends how it will feel directing it to yourself for me it always feels the most emotional for whatever reason but as you go through you know someone that you love you can feel the love and then you can feel kind of the disconnection for a stranger Um, that one's a little bit more you know not as easy or notable but then when you get to someone that has caused trouble or pain for you in your life you can feel it like you can feel the discomfort and the urge to not want to go further and not want to send that love or that that connection out to that person and so um, I love that you mentioned that tool I was actually meaning to ask you about that uh, earlier on in the conversation so that's a really good reminder.
1: I also have one more thing I want to add about um techniques for building empathy. I think also a lot of us have this desire to be the the right one or like the one in the right, yes like they want to be <laughs> like you you heard this thing that happened right like that's totally wild like i'm I'm not you know, so
0: I'm not crazy, yeah, <laughs> I'm
1: not the crazy one um I think that if we start to, or rather when we start to move away from this feeling of I need to win this argument or be the one in the right or not be the one who is wronged here. Mm -hmm. And when you do those visualization techniques of putting yourself in their shoes or seeing the situation from their side, ultimately what happens after that is, it's not a sense of like, all right, I was the one in the right, and I can let their (laughs) feelings go. (laughs) No, like, I I often don't come away from those techniques feeling like, all right, I'm brushing off their weirdness. I feel like, you know what, I have also contributed to this situation somewhat. Like, to me, when I leave these situations, I don't feel vindicated. I feel just more aware in a Mm -hmm. sense of, what they're feeling, and what I'm feeling. And I think that's a pretty healthy place to be. I don't think that any situation, or or rather, um, you'll often find that in most of the situations that are going that you're going through, um, there are two sides to the story. Yeah, it's <laughs> never black and white. Yeah, it's
0: never yeah. that simple, you know. What would be a universe that that was the case? I mean, mm-hmm. where we're... Is it A or is it B? Okay, it's B. (laughs) You know, it just doesn't work like that Uh, as much as we would like it to, or our mind would like us to think that it would. Um, My last question before we start to wrap up is just how all of this idea of non judgment applies on the yoga mat, you know? So, how do we lead with non judgment in teaching, you know, and then also towards ourselves?
1: I think that having empathy for others is important, but also empathy for yourself, especially when you're dealing with your own personal practice Mm -hmm. is so important. Sometimes when we're faced with a practice that might be intense or maybe just intense for the day, or when we're faced with poses that we feel like we can't do or uh, poses that are challenging us for a day, It's easy to get down on yourself and to compare yourself to other people in the room or You know the teacher or people that you've seen that can do the pose and it's easy to judge yourself for that, but everyone's journey is different and just being a little bit kinder with your own internal dialogue is so helpful and I've found that also when it comes to advancing your practice a lot of times it's not necessarily the physical aspect but it's the the energetic aspect that Mm -hmm. creates advancement I've felt the most advanced in my practice when I step away from things that I know aren't good for the day or when I adjust the energy of the class to what I'm feeling not worrying about the other people around me, to me, that is the most advanced thing you could do mm-hmm. is to practice for yourself and not for other people or for anyone else's gaze. Mm-hmm. So, in your physical yoga practice, personal practice, be kind to yourself and speak words of kindness to yourself. And you'll often find that. It just naturally translates outward. If mm-hmm. in your mind during the day you're being good to yourself, that joy will overflow naturally. Mm-hmm. You'll be in a better mood, you'll feel better, you'll feel more confident, and that really translates to all the interactions that you have with the people around you. In terms of teaching, I would say that the power of words is so important. I know this as a writer as a teacher and as a human, you know this because when someone says something to you and it sticks, it's usually either really good or it's really bad, yep. <laughs> and so just remembering that as a teacher, that everything you say is important, and not everything necessarily needs to be said, so this is definitely a muscle that takes time to develop because especially for new teachers, sometimes silence is so scary. But, sometimes saying nothing is the most powerful thing you can do. If you go through a class and you're constantly talking the whole time, it's hard for your message to land. There's a lot to process in a yoga class as Mm -hmm. a student. There's the physical postures, there's the words that the teacher is speaking. But you can keep it simple, and I think when you reflect back on the classes that made the most impact to you, it was the classes that have the clearest message, and just knowing that if you say something and you feel that that is what you really want to impart to your students, let that sit for a moment. Give it some silence. Give it some space because when you say something impactful, giving them that space will allow it to really sink in. And that's a beautiful way to give weight to your words. And remember that they have power. Absolutely. That's what they're going to come away with when they're done with the class. They're going to remember what you said because they didn't have 5,000 other things thrown at them. So practicing. Silence when teaching is important. And then also making sure that what you're sharing is something that is authentic to you and to your experience. And it feels natural and it's something that needs to be said.
0: Yes, and I I love what you mentioned about the classes that you remember. Because for me, like the classes that I remember, I remember because I felt something. And I think if we're just blasting information for the sake of just speaking and and noise, like it becomes more noise, you know, it doesn't get through, like you said. And it's really special to be allowed to have your own experience of, of the practice, you know, that even gets us back to this idea of judgment, you know, because what we're telling as our own experience you know is is in itself like a judgment of the practice a judgment of the pose and so that can be really special to help people feel things and it can also be equally special to not tell them what they should be feeling you know um i've totally noticed that i love taking yin with you for that reason because it's the perfect amount where i'm guided and i'm not you know winding up in some rabbit hole thinking about like what I was doing on this day last year and then that friend and like where they are now and you know how the brain (laughs) goes down a crazy rabbit hole if it's left to its own um its own power but it's a balance and so I guess the last base then would be how do you see this idea of non-judgment show up In your work as in you know the writing that you do and the words that you're using and putting out there because um, Katie's pretty humble about it but these words that we're using on major brands to talk about this industry are extremely impactful they shape our goals and our dreams and our desires and so it's really key this messaging that she's involved in
1: thank you (laughs) Um, And yes, this applies for teachers too, not just writers. It applies for anyone really, but being a writer has informed my teaching in so many ways. And I make sure because I'm, through my words, representing a brand in the yoga and fitness space, a space that has historically had so many toxic messages about the way that you should look, or the way that society wants you to look and feel, and um, using language that is harmful to self-image, and it's, mm-hmm. it's being broadcast to young people, <laughs> so... And
0: millions and millions yes, of them.
1: And I, and you know, the, the platform that I write for, if I know that my message is going to touch millions of people, or however many people, It really matters yep and I just make it a point in writing especially in yoga and fitness to make sure that I use inclusive writing and this means we're not talking about the way that you are going to slim down or lose weight or trim this or shape I have like a list of no, no words.
0: <laughs> that's wonderful. You have an actual list. Yes, <laughs> there.
1: It's shape and trim and slim. It's all on it. Uh-huh. Um, anything having to do with burning fat, and it's fine if if someone has personal goals. That's you know that's everyone's own business. But in terms of the message that I want to share through writing, it's shifting it a lot to how you'll feel. So after you do this particular workout or this particular pose you are going to feel it here. We can get a little bit more matter-of-fact and anatomical, Mm -hmm. so people are learning and um, developing that body awareness without necessarily um, focusing on the aesthetic aspect of it. And that also translates to teaching, too. So I try as best as possible in classes to also focus on what are you feeling in this pose, giving good permission language to take a break when you need to, or to challenge yourself, you know, you're, you're speaking to a bunch of different crowds here, so just making sure that um, nobody ever feels pressured to do something. Um, I often say at the beginning of class, especially if I know there are new yogis, I say, even if you are lying down or sitting down and everyone else is standing up and moving, that is fine. Mm -hmm. And it gives people permission to do whatever they want without feeling like they're doing something wrong or that listening to themselves is wrong. You're putting them in the mindset that they are empowered to lead their own practice. I'm here as a teacher, but I'm essentially just a guide for your own experience. So just uh, maybe even I know you sometimes you've talked about growing as a teacher, recording yourself, seeing how... You speak. Yes. I think that what you do, that is a perfect tool for uh, giving yourself uh, some self-reflection. A
0: perfect tool to feel cringe.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs> and growth. And growth. But you'll also start to listen to the words you use. You'll hear your filler words, of course, but you might hear something like, oh, did I really say that? Did I really, like, did I say one phrase I think I, I used early in my teaching was, if you can't do that like try this and it felt helpful like I was offering a modification but I think if you can't do that <laughs> it it just doesn't feel just doesn't feel very good doesn't feel
0: it's, great it's, yeah, it's it doesn't feel a, like a compliment <laughs> yes
1: it's not about abilities ultimately we're always shifting to the end enne- the energy of it rather yeah so yeah record yourself <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a really good one Okay well my last and final question that I have for you which I love to ask everyone is what is your billboard message? So again this is the question of you know if you were able to write whatever you wanted to write on a billboard and everyone in the world was going to see it it's a high stakes question. (laughs) What would you put on the billboard? What would be your billboard message?
1: We touched on this earlier but for me it's Your words have power and you don't have to be a writer to have influence with your words. Even if you're speaking to one person, those words, what you say can leave a lasting impact. And whenever you leave a room, make the commitment to have people leave feeling better than when you first interacted with them. And that's a pretty good life motto. Even if you didn't accomplish all the things you (laughs) wanted to when you reflect back, if you made even one person feel better, that is so fulfilling.
0: Absolutely. It's beautiful. Chills. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing this time with me today. And um, I hope all of you listening, whether you are just dabbling in yoga, whether you're also a yoga instructor, um, hope you've gained something from this uh, unique conversation that we've had today. And We'll see you on the next episode. Ciao, ciao.